0: I've spent a lot of my Christian life not talking to God about things because I thought they were insignificant in the grand scheme of things. But because I matter to God, they matter to God.
1: When someone asks you, how are you? Do you always say, I'm doing great? And do you know that sometimes you lie if you're doing that? We're glad that you're with us today. We're going to talk about some things Christians have a hard time with. Uh, We look at the life of Jesus, we look at what he said, what he did, how he interacted with people, and then we look at our own lives, and sometimes we're just not too Jesus-y. Our guest today, Blake Couchet, is the founder of, and listen to this, the Crappy Christian Company. I just want to join this company. She aims to especially empower and help women use their God-given talents for the kingdom of God. She has a great podcast called Confessions of a Crappy Christian, and it specializes in conversation with guests who talk about their passions, their struggles. She's an Enneagram 8. My daughter is an Enneagram 8, so probably she is self-confident, probably she's very strong, very assertive, and maybe a little bit of a control freak. What about (laughs) it, Blake? A little bit of a control freak?
0: Uh in my in my humanity, yes, a hundred percent. That would be my natural penchant.
1: But spiritually you're not?
0: No, I think the more I learn about God and who he is and what he's done, I can hold my life pretty open handedly.
1: Now, how did you come up like with the podcast, with the book, Confessions of a Crappy Christian? Where did that come from?
0: It honestly it dropped in my lap like i it came from god i love alliteration <laughs> it makes me very happy um it is stemmed from second corinthians 12:9 boasting all the more gladly in my weakness and the things that we generally as believers or even not struggle with and that we wish people would talk about and so it was just that was what i was looking for and i couldn't find it so i made it <laughs>
1: So the, some topics you think Christians have a hard time talking about, that you're in your personality that God has given you, you like to engage or you do engage them. Just for those that are listening, what are some of the the hot buttons, the hot potatoes that you just feel like, you know, we should be a little more real in these areas?
0: I think a big one is what scripture really says about grace and freedom and how God feels about his kids like that he likes you, he doesn't just tolerate you, like he actually thinks you're pretty cool. Uh, That's a really big one for me. And then, you know, the more taboo mental health and sexuality and relationship and the hard parts of relationship and when they fall apart, um, those things that everybody encounters and struggles with but can often feel really alone in because not very many people are talking about it.
1: So on the podcast that you do, have you had some like really hot, like, would you say that was a really great show? We did that and we did it well.
0: Yeah, I had, we had Mama Bear Apologetics on uh, last year and talked about just really honestly talked about the media and cultural push for our kids and their gender ideology and sexual orientations and what that means and how we can protect our kids from it. And that is still one of my favorite episodes that we've done because it was tackling this very present and real topic kindly and gently, but also with the backing of, of scripture and how we can tangibly protect our kids that that one sticks out for me for sure.
1: So why do you think there are some topics that people of faith just go, you know, we should just sweep that under the rug, maybe we shouldn't talk about it from our pulpits or on our podcasts? Why is there a tendency in our souls to just try to say, yeah, everything's okay?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think there are a lot of reasons. I think it can be out of fear of, you know, like cancel culture is very loud and prevalent. I think it can be out of a like lack of understanding if, if you aren't educating yourself on what scripture says about these things, and it's difficult to speak into it from a biblical standpoint. Um, but I think also it's uncomfortable, and we don't, as people generally, like, don't like to be uncomfortable. It's, we'd rather just stick with the easy, comfortable conversations
1: but don't you don't you find sometimes truth is uncomfortable?
0: Oh, absolutely. It almost always is. Oh. I would say. Well,
1: why do you say that? Why do you say it's almost well, always
0: well? I mean, think about what the truth that the Christian faith is founded on is the concept that you can't do this yourself. You cannot save yourself. Nothing you do in your own. Humanity is ever going to be good enough to save you to redeem you. That's uncomfortable. That's, Mm -hmm. that's almost like offensive, but the truth is like, so the most foundational truth that we have is uncomfortable. And I think most truths in some form or fashion are going to make somebody uncomfortable.
1: But, but but they really are the things that set people free. So exactly. when we when we believe the lie, I'm just thinking about like the book of Genesis, that opening story, how uh, the the serpent came and said, did God really say? And then he reinterpreted truth. Yep. And there's just a lot of that going on in our culture, like things that we believe, not just in the church, but just in society, that we believed for, for millennia and in the last 10 or 15 years people are going is that really true yeah. is that is that really what a woman is is that really what a man is mm-hmm. and um our rising generation is facing this in the culture they they come up in so how do how do we help them be able to talk about these crappy issues that some people would avoid and how do we Um, how do we help people with this struggle for truth that's going on?
0: I think some of it is going first, doing things like this, like actually having the conversations and, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the feedback that I get when I do kind of tackle the more difficult or controversial ones are like, this made me feel brave enough to have a hard conversation or to say how I really feel. Uh, I like to kind of consider it being like a hope dealer. Like I like Mm -hmm giving hope as much as i can and um but i think also enabling and equipping people to do it on their own like not we're such a spoon-fed people now that we don't read our own bibles because we can learn about it online and yeah. we don't study because somebody else can tell us what it says and it's just not the same as when you do it for yourself and then therefore it's like yours and it's embedded and it's foundational And then that's a much more solid place to walk forward into these more difficult or uncomfortable conversations.
1: So when you are planning a podcast or maybe even the chapters that were in your book, uh, do you like especially look for areas that would say, this is going to be one that other people are not talking about and I want to?
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I just did a kind of like a series actually this week on my Instagram on friendship breakups, like when friendships end and the season is over and whether it ends difficultly or, you know, mutual moving apart. And there's so many people online talking about friendship, but nobody's talking about like friendships end and sometimes it's messy and sometimes it's mutual and it's fine. And so I definitely... Tend to lean towards more towards having those conversations.
1: So, is it appropriate to break up by text? Mm. (laughs) Your thoughts.
0: Oh, I don't know. I think that's so situationally dependent. Seriously?
1: Uh, I thought that would be a yes or no answer for me. No,
0: I think, like, because I have before.
1: Oh, okay.
0: But it was after. Months of phone calls and Facetime calls that just were getting us absolutely nowhere. That and I'm a better write, like I sometimes write my feelings better than I say them, and so I finally just got to a point where I was like, I can't do this anymore, and it was in a text message. So
1: that's why you have mixed feelings on it. Yeah, yeah. Participated in it. Yeah, and it. It worked for you, obviously. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't think like that's the way to to raise the issue the first time ever like in a relationship. But I don't know. Sometimes communication breaks down far enough.
1: Well, I guess. I I don't know. I know it's very personal. I guess he just wasn't getting it. Like I would start to get the hints. I would think if it was like month after month after month after month after month after month. Yeah. And so was that the last communication then? That text and it was done?
0: Uh, this was actually within a friendship. Um, okay. And no, no, they reached out later to like let me know something else hurtful. So <laughs> it was a it was a mess.
1: <laughs> so so the, the title of your book is long: "Confessions of a Crappy Christian." Then the subtitle: "Real Life Talk About Things Christians Aren't Sure We're Supposed to Talk About and Why They Matter to God." So these issues why do they why do you think they matter to god
0: because we matter to him and mm. there isn't i've spent a lot of my christian life not talking to god about things because i thought they were insignificant in the grand scheme of things and maybe they are to like geopolitical activity but because i matter to god they matter to god there's so many things that my husband talks to me about that i love him but i don't care I don't care about how this boat engine works, but I want to hear about it because it matters to him, you know?
1: So so did you have, in your spiritual evolution and growth, did you have a moment, because you talked about grace, where grace just became much um, wider in your vision and what precipitated that and how has that made a difference in the way you approach life?
0: Yeah, we actually started attending a new church about Five years ago. And the we were, we were like, quote unquote, church shopping, we had just left a church. And so we were trying to find a new church home. And we went to this one place and sat in the back and listened as the pastor broke down, like the difference between our relationship with grace and our relationship with the law and why the law was put into place and how grace kind of completed it for us. And I we weren't even out of the front doors before I was like I can never go anywhere else I don't ever want to go anywhere else and we've been there ever since and Grace is literally in the the name of the church and we um just being under their teaching for the last few years and being under the teaching of people who prioritize grace over. A checklist of things that we need to do to be okay with God just it's completely and radically changed not just my life, but I mean, the life of my family, the life of how we teach our kids about these things is just it changed grace really does change everything,
1: absolutely. So, so these topics that you raise in the context of maybe less gracious churches or maybe the church big C, Mm -hmm. um, how do how do other christians church organizations like relate to the hot buttons that you deal with
0: you mean like specifically with me or in
1: uh, general? The to- like the, uh i would say both i say personally with with your uh, w- message but then just in general with um some of these uh, difficult issues that they want to they don't want to talk about and this big c church is out there and you're you're kind of like poking the bear and talking about them. And what kind of reactions have you got?
0: I think it's a, it's pretty split for the most part. People are so desperate for this kind of authenticity and these conversations and it makes them feel seen and heard and known and not alone in so many ways. And that's so life-giving. And that kind of like helps you keep going because the other side of that is the worst messages i get come from christians the meanest dms and comments and stuff like that come from fellow believers so it's it, it people i always tell like people either love me or hate me there is very little gray area
1: is that because you're an enneagram eight and you take strong stands on things probably and then, like,
0: i mean uh probably <laughs>
1: So so personally, what are some of the, the things that you've dealt with in your own life that you've said, I've dealt with this, I now understand it under God's grace, but um, uh, it is a hot button that I didn't think I could talk about for a while, but then I finally did.
0: I mean, I already mentioned this, but friendship breakups would definitely yep. be a big one. I went through three really brutal friendship endings uh, between 2019 and 2020, and it like Wrecked me. It was some of the hardest things I've ever walked through. And I was very like, I'm never talking. About this is too painful. I'm never. Mm-hmm. I, and also, anytime a story involves someone else, it's weird to tell those stories publicly, especially if you have some kind of platform. And so that was definitely a big one. Also, uh, I've had, I've struggled with anxiety and mental health uh, since I was a kid. And when I first kind of started on this platform, thought that that would be something that I would just kind of keep under wraps and, mm. you know, wouldn't need to be a part of the conversation. And God's kind of very kindly and gently changed that uh, plan to it being really a pretty large part of what I talk about. And, and you really you put it perfectly. It's because of grace, like gr- grace kind of crashing into my life and changing everything makes it easier to talk about stuff that you would have maybe in your own right kept private.
1: So there's probably some people listening and you put two hot potatoes on the stove. Uh, there's probably somebody that is like uh, break up, and there's probably somebody anxiety. Uh-huh. So what kind of things would you just say to them today?
0: Well, I think in terms of anxiety, um, Unless you would respond that way to any other bodily health issue, I think that that's worth looking at. Uh, I think the sooner we, the church, start treating mental health as health, Mm -hmm. the better we would see things go. Um, And then as far as friendship breakups, I think we see an example of Jesus who had boundaries. like He... He walked away from people when he needed to, and he protected himself when he needed to. And um, I think that the church has taken, turned the other cheek and made it into, you need to be a doormat. And I just don't think that that's how how we were meant to leave, live either.
1: You also write about um, uh, the hustle culture mm-hmm. and like coming to terms with that. And maybe you can unpack what that hustle culture is. And then just talk about how walking away from it has helped you.
0: Yeah. I, in like 2017, 18, I got really into this idea of my husband worked really, really long hours and had a really stressful job and we were apart a lot. And so I was like, I'm going to do something. I'm going to make something that will alleviate some of that some of that pressure for him and we had two really young kids and I worked myself to death. I was, I'd started a, uh, wedding planning and coordinating business. Um, I was just bossing people around, which was ideal for my personality (laughs) type. Um, but I also had two young kids at home. Actually, that's not true. One young kid at home and was pregnant, worked my last, uh, 12 hour day, 36 weeks pregnant with my youngest. And just kind of crashed and burned and physically and mentally and realized that this is not sustainable. And even though I knew Jesus at the time was trying to do it all. Like, it was like, I wasn't trusting that God had anything else for my family. And so it was going to be up to me to make it and create it. And if it was up to me, then it was going to take all of everything and, I kind of just had to like lay it all down and my hopes and my dreams and not give up on them, but just hold them a little bit more loosely and not try to force a timeline or an idea. Uh, And then about a year or two later, started Confessions of a Crappy Christian, the podcast, and it took off. And actually, my husband retired from his full-time job in May. And so, but it wasn't until I stopped trying to do it my way and out of my abilities and like quieted myself and asked like, God, what do you want for my family? What do you want? What, what do you want me to be doing? Is this even actually, is this your idea or is this my idea? You know, um, kind of just completely, it radically changed the way that I work and the way that I approach work and, approach life in general
1: so you feel like the hustle culture was other people's expectations of you or did you put them on yourself and they just didn't come from god
0: it was me on myself and i think that there are some people where it can come from outside influence but for me i'm very i'm very self-aware and self-critical and so it was like i need to get this done and and I also just didn't understand the concept of, like, that God cared, you know, like, kind of like I said at the beginning, that He liked me and wanted good things for me. It just wasn't a God that I had encountered. I had a very, like, legalistic early church experience, and so, yeah, just kind of had to, like, change everything.
1: So just give me some help. Uh, help help me help my daughter. She is an uh, executive pastor. She is pregnant. She's halfway. She's twice. She's had some failed pregnancies that she talks very publicly about. And she's 20 weeks, so good things are halfway there. Um, but she's she's got all this workload, and then she's got pregnant. She's gonna be in 37 weeks in a few mm-hmm. weeks. How how do I help her not to crash and burn, but nurture her through this season of her life?
0: You said she's an eight, too.
1: She that's why I said it. That's good. Yeah. I I can hear her sometimes when you're talking. Like they're just <laughs> get that done and tell yeah. people what to do. Yeah. That's why yeah. she's an executive pastor. Because right, she's really exactly. good at telling people what to do.
0: Right. Um, I guess I look back at that version of me in that time. I'm trying to think what I wish somebody would have said to me. I really mm-hmm. I think I've already said it. Like I think
1: Yeah. I listen that, to you but I'm just really interested if there's something else. No, no, no. no.
0: I don't mean that you weren't listening. I'm just I think it would have I'm I think I would have needed to hear like hey, like God likes you. He thinks you're doing good work, but he also like there's just as much as much in scripture about resting in his goodness as there is being a diligent worker and a good steward. Yeah and yeah. that was just wasn't a god that i'd been introduced to and then like you yeah. read the psalms and, and about rest and laying down and i'm like oh oh that's okay too like yeah. that's faithful too that's good work too yeah. but i will tell you sometimes i think any especially female personalities like mine sometimes we just have to crash and burn unfortunately <laughs> like sometimes we just have to we have to learn the lesson the hard way
1: so yeah, I've been listening to John Mark Comer. I don't know if you follow him at all, mm-hmm. out of uh, the West, and he has just some great. Uh, well, Gracie's great on grace, and great on rest and Sabbath and taking time to be refreshed. So, I try to help push her because sometimes you don't get it from your dad, but sometimes you have to get it from other people. Yeah, just trying to help, help her, help her along. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, the book that you've written. Uh, when someone turns the last page and they put the book down, um, you you want them to know that sometimes we do feel crappy, even though we're Christians, and sometimes we do crappy things. What do you want people to know as they um, put the book down and walk away? What what are the takeaways you'd like them to have?
0: I mean, my hope is definitely for freedom that there's something in the book that just breaks some chains that have been holding them back from experiencing the fullness of what Christ has for them and that they can then turn around and extend that to others. I think I just want to see lots of free Christians who know that God doesn't just love them, but he likes them and he thinks he did a good job making them and the ways that they struggle don't disqualify them from that.
1: And that is Beautiful grace is unmerited favor. It is a gift that you cannot earn and cannot deserve, and God wants us to receive it. So let's thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for your heart, your passion, your ministry, and for encouraging people that when they feel like crappy Christians, there still is hope for them. Thanks for being with us, Blake.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: I'm Scott Young. This is the Influencers Podcast. Let me encourage you to keep on influencing your world to change your neighborhood. And to extend that to the nations. You are called to be salt and light in a dark world, and we need you. Thanks for being a part.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you enjoy
1: our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. You can follow us on all social media platforms at the Influencers Podcast Official. You can stay up to date, hear more inspiring content, and unlock your full potential as an influencer.
0: Remember to use your influence to create lasting change that draws the world closer to Jesus.